0: Hello and welcome to Employment Talk. We're here to discuss the HR issues affecting you and keep you up to date with the latest employment law matters. I'm Glenn Hayes, National Head of Employment Law at Irwin Mitchell.
1: And I'm Joe Mosley and I am a support lawyer here and I keep a keen eye on the employment law landscape and write our monthly newsletters and blogs.
0: Brilliant. So what we're going to cover today Joe?
1: Well, I thought today that we would talk about menopause and specifically the government's response to a number of suggestions made by the Cross Party Women and Equalities Committee last year, which were designed to help women remain in work, even where they have debilitating menopausal symptoms.
0: Right, Jo, I've got to confess, I'm incredibly nervous about this because I am, as you know, a man. (laughs) <laughs> and it takes me outside of my comfort zone, but I think we should give it a go anyway. And it'd be a good idea to tell our listeners why this committee was looking into menopause in the first place, Jo.
1: Yeah, no problem. I thought you might be a bit uncomfortable about this. Yeah, I am, it's, yeah. good, it's good to sort of push ourselves outside our comfort zone from time to time, isn't it? OK. <laughs> you don't sound convinced, but hey, let's give it a go. <laughs> so over yep. the last, I'd say, three or four years, possibly slightly longer, the issue of menopause has started to be spoken about much more often. And I think a lot of that has been driven by individuals. So we've seen high profile campaigns, by celebrities. And I'm thinking in particular about the series that Davina McColl did a couple of years ago. She did a couple of documentaries on Channel 4, and they've had a massive impact on raising the profile of menopause per se, and also the sort of real impact that it can have on women in the workplace. So the committee recognised that there was a huge amount of work to be done I don't know if you're aware of the stats but there's i think it's generally accepted that about three in every five women experience symptoms menopausal symptoms which impact on their their work and one in ten of them leave work because they can't cope that's a huge number of women leaving with the workplace and the committee um, was able to look at this because the government committed in 2019 to setting out a roadmap on gender equality and what it promised to do was to conduct research into women's health and the impact of their health on their work. Women inequalities Equalities um, committee, they launched an inquiry and they heard oral evidence from women and experts and they looked at written responses from businesses and other organisations had made. And you may recall that our lovely Jenny Arrowsmith was involved in the detailed response that was submitted by the Employment Lawyers
0: Association on that. I do remember.
1: It's actually referred to in the consultation document, so it obviously had real impact.
0: Well, look at employers... Have had massive concerns about this because the issues that we tend to see are businesses are, are losing highly skilled women and so the need to recognise this as a, as a as an issue is definitely growing. The businesses have really struggled in the jobs market anyway to find suitable candidates so it seems to me to make perfect sense to support those who are already working for you yeah. and often as I understand it there's only sort of small adjustments really needed or some flexibility needed in order to keep people in the workplace. And over the last couple of years, we've seen substantial increases in the number of clients who have contacted us to try and help them get to grips with this subject. And, you know, we've recorded our back to basics module on, on, on menopause now, you know, we've produced line manager training, we've produced policies to help um, employers grapple with these issues. And really, again, it's a dialogue, isn't it? With the individual that's, that's, that's really important.
1: So Tell us, Joel then,
0: what did the committee recommend?
1: So they made quite a lot of suggestions. Some were linked to making it easier for women to recognise the massive range of symptoms that they could develop in their 40s and 50s and that might be linked to the menopause. But they also wanted women to be able to access treatments such as HRT more easily and to improve the clinical
0: care. So Joy, you mentioned symptoms. It's not just about hot sweats, is it?
1: No, no, it really isn't. Um, There's a huge range of symptoms that women can suffer from. Hot sweats are probably the most commonly um, associated with menopause, but they really aren't um, something that all women go through. There are loads and loads of different symptoms. I think there's about 100 that are associated with with the menopause. But the main ones can be joint pain, headaches an inability to concentrate, stress, brain fog. And they all start when the body stops producing oestrogen. Um, I mean, I'm not sure whether you really want to know this, but um, I started. Or do symptoms I want to know it?
0: Over...
1: Well, I'll tell you anyway and then you all can right, tell okay. me afterwards. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> so I started symptoms about 10 years ago in my uh, early 40s and I didn't have any flushes at that at that stage. But I found that my mind went blank sometimes. Um, and whilst that was okay at home, when it happened at work, it was really embarrassing. And I genuinely didn't know what was going on. And I I really worried that I'd got early onset dementia. And it was a massive worry. And now I know, you know, sort of 10 years odd later, that it was the perimenopause. And although I still get the odd bit of um brain fog, it's much less common now because I'm on HRT. And when it happens it's generally because i'm really tired
0: right
1: so i mean i don't know whether that was a good story I mean, to here tell or we've, not.
0: we've got a team of around 80 employment lawyers here of which 90 mm. percent of them are women we have to recognize that that does impact on you know certainly people who work with us and for us so we can see these types of symptoms come out in to varying degrees in in, in different people and you know i think from my point of view it's about supporting people through these things because actually it does impact general day-to-day life and the, the working life in particular so yeah so just on the back of the committee's recommendations then what what did they say
1: so in the context of work the main recommendation was that they wanted to introduce a new protected characteristic under the equality act um to cover menopausal women and then separately to put a duty on employers to provide reasonable adjustments so in much the same way as employers already
0: have to do when someone has a disability. Well the Equality Act recognises sex age and disability as protected characteristics so menopause only happens to women usually from the mid-40s so I suppose that's potential sex and age discrimination. So I would have thought that the severe symptoms would meet the legal test of disability so Why did the committee think that we needed another protected characteristic then?
1: Well, they heard evidence that, and that's not just from the women themselves, but also from um, people advising women, so the Employment Lawyers Association, for example, that the existing categories were just not sufficient. And they heard evidence that women have to sort of somehow shoehorn their claims into these existing categories, the three that you've just mentioned. And it's not always a good fit, and the outcome is often uncertain. And... As you've said, menopause only happens to women. And they said that women in these circumstances need specific protection. And, you know, they pointed out that the law already acknowledges that women need certain protections. And that's the reason why we've got legislation in place preventing pregnancy and maternity discrimination. So, you know, it's not a huge leap, or it wasn't a huge leap in their view to include menopause in that category.
0: Well, I, yeah, well, I, I, I sort of inclined to agree with that, to be fair, because I think from my point of view that, you know, what difference does it make realistically to, to employers to have one additional protected characteristic over yeah. then we need to be aware of it and we need to deal with it. So I, I don't think it's a overly burdensome from my point of view. So no. why did the government reject it then?
1: Well, that's where it gets very interesting. So, The government pointed out that women should be protected from discrimination, but said that there was not enough evidence to demonstrate that they needed a new protected characteristic to protect them when they are menopausal. And they said that another reason that they turned it down was on the basis that it could have created unintended consequences. And this is where it gets really bizarre. They said that it could create a new form of discrimination, which could erode existing protections for men. So I'll say that again. It could create new forms of discrimination, which could erode existing protections for men. So a question, question for you, Glenn, as a man. As a
0: man? Yep. <laughs> right, brilliant.
1: Do you have any idea why introducing a new protected characteristic to support peri-menopausal women would erode or could erode legal protection for men?
0: Honestly, no. <laughs> genuinely. So and I know what the government have said, um, which essentially is to avoid that unintended consequence, because the more substantial the changes to the 2010 Equality Act are, the more likely it requires a full-scale review of the Act. But I genuinely cannot see how the introduction of this would erode legal protection for men.
1: No, I genuinely. don't mind that. It will give greater protection to women, certainly. But, but I but don't see have how that, in, that can, you know, detract from the protection that men already get.
0: But, for example, we've got protection for people who are disabled, which is a protection for people who meet that very strict yeah. definition. So why is that any different to this?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's mad. But they... Um, In reaching that conclusion, they um, pointed to three large stakeholders who responded to the inquiry and all of them said that they didn't think separate legislation was necessary. So two of them were employer organisations. So I suppose you could say that they wouldn't want um, any additional to have to deal with any additional legislation, particularly in the current economic climate. You know, in some ways fair enough. But the third. organisation that responded was really surprising. Um, and they said that the existing legislation was good enough. And I wondered if you could g- guess which organisation that was, Glenn. It wasn't an well,
0: employer. Not a, I'm not sure that's a fair quiz question. That It's, it, it's not going to be something <laughs> like a women's group or something like that, is it?
1: It wasn't. No, it wasn't. I mean, it, they may well have made um, representations. I don't know. But the one the government cited was Unison. Well, and Unison, as you know, is the largest union in the UK, and it's got over 1.3 million members. So I think that's really disappointing, and I, I do wonder how many women they actually asked um, before they
0: submitted that response. Well, I suppose if they've come, if they've canvassed their membership, what's the demographic of that membership? You know, male to female. So you know, I I don't know. It's just it's bizarre, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just I just think it's bizarre. But should we test their hypothesis and see whether the law actually does do a good enough job of giving women the protection that they need? And this is where the quiz comes in. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll read out some facts and you can tell me whether you think that the tribunal found in favour of the woman. OK. So you, you ready for the first one?
0: Uh, well, as ready as I'm ever going to be.
1: OK. OK. So this is a situation involving a police officer, a lady called Ms Rose. She had a number of medical conditions and also began to experience menopausal symptoms. I think it was fairly early in her case. I think she was in her early 40s. And those those caused sleep disruption. It made her difficult to work nights. So her employer took her off night duty and referred her to occupational health. And she was subsequently signed off work due to depression and stress. She had regular meetings with her manager and she mentioned some of the problems she was having with the menopause. And her doctor's notes substantiated the fact that she had had sought advice for her menopausal symptoms. Anyway, to cut a long story short, she resigned because of the way in which her absence had been managed. And she said that she'd been discriminated against because of her menopause. And she alleged in her case that her symptoms amounted to a disability.
0: To make reasonable adjustments
1: um yes i think it was yeah Yeah. um what do you think do you think she succeeded on that point or not
0: well i'm sort of making the assumption that her stress and anxiety was sufficient to meet the test of being disabled for the purposes of the equality act so i'm going to say yes she did succeed she didn't she didn't
1: the tribunal said that her symptoms did not adversely affect her ability to do normal day to day activities. I think we need to unpick that a little bit. Um, they said it was unclear t- to the extent menopause had on on her conditions rather than all of the other medical problems that she had. But more significantly, and this is where I think they got it wrong, they said that working nights is not a day-to-day activity and we know that part is wrong because there's statutory guidance in place and that specifically says that if you're keeping to a shift pattern that means meets the test of being a day-to-day activity and that it's not relevant at what time of the day that is carried out so i think you know you said that you thought it was yes i think the answer should have been yes and that the tribunal got it wrong but what it does demonstrate I think is that it's not easy for women to use existing discrimination laws to bring successful claims linked to their menopause particularly where you've got a huge range of symptoms and it and those range of symptoms can make it difficult for women and their employers to attribute those to the menopause. Should we have another one then start question two?
0: Well I've got to have a chance to redeem myself haven't I so
1: well, I think I think actually I'm going to give you a win on that, because as I say, I think...
0: Oh, that's generous.
1: <laughs> well, I think the tribunal got it wrong. I really do on, in that case. Um, so let's start with the next one then. So this is a lady called Ms Best, and she worked as part of a small team selling pet food to the public. 52 years old, and her relationship between her employer's... Um, became strange during the first lockdown because she didn't think that her colleagues were taking covid measures sufficiently seriously and she worried that it put her health and the health of others at risk so she raised concern with the owners of the business on several occasions but they dismissed them because they said she was and i'm quoting obsessive paranoid and irrational okay so one day um, she's in the um, shop when a customer comes in and that customer had been describing a hot flush that she'd had and afterwards the staff started talking about the menopause. Ms Bess made it clear that she didn't want to talk about it because it made her feel uncomfortable but colleagues ignored that and they continued to discuss it and her boss stepped in and asked her outright if she was menopausal. She complained about that and was told to stop moaning. And she was dismissed shortly afterwards. So she alleged um, in her employment claim that asking her if she was menopausal was an unwanted comment which violated her dignity and created a humiliating harassment. environment. Yeah, exactly harassment. So what do you think? Do you think she succeeded on that particular point?
0: So she'd have to show, wouldn't she, that it was harassment on the grounds of sex? Yes. You would only ask a woman that question. Yes. If the woman perception of that was that she felt that that place her in an intimidating or hostile environment, then I, I think she probably would succeed. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with this. Yes, she did.
1: Yeah, and you're right. But they said the harassment itself was relatively minor and that her boss had behaved tactlessly in asking her if she was menopausal, even after she'd made it clear she didn't want to discuss the topic. So well done.
0: Brilliant. Well, I'm not not you- brilliant. for Mrs Best anyway, so... No, Um, but yeah, I'm glad I got the answer right at least.
1: (laughs) So you act mainly for employers. Have you had to advise on any potential claims, or have litigated a case where menopause has been an issue?
0: Look, I think it's a really big problem. Like I said uh, before, I think you can see the sort of situation you've just uh, envisaged there, particularly with comments, things like "oh, ignore her, she's just menopausal" or whatever. You know, those types of offensive comments. So yes, we've certainly seen. An increased number of inquiries in relation to it we've produced a menopause policy as a result of that and produced some training because actually the more awareness there is of that issue then ideally people can handle it more sensitively and um, I've already said that it's really important to get the best out of your people so having a sort of general awareness of it for men and women in fairness yeah. will help in that respect but yeah we've certainly seen a I don't know whether it's because it's been thrust into the limelight. We've actually got a client that um, does a huge amount in this space as well, and has got a very well-respected app that deals with uh, menopausal issues. So, yeah, I think we've certainly seen a, a huge increase in this sort of area, really. And I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon
1: that's the Balance app if any of our listeners want to look it up. It's it's designed so that women can record their symptoms on a day-to-day basis, take that report to the GPs to get the best um, best outcome really so that GPs can see and hopefully, you know, join all of the dots of these symptoms and can then start to offer the right treatment.
0: And I think that's where we see a lot of it in, in the case of employers that are sort of grappling with this issue because I think Historically, what we've seen is that um, an individual will go and tell their employer now that they're struggling for various reasons uh, linked to the menopause. And then I think it's that balance of getting them on the right HRT treatment. So um, and I think that's where employers can get frustrated because I think they assume that the situation is fixed when somebody gets HRT. And it's not it's not as easy as that.
1: It is and not all women can take HRT and it's a bit of a lottery anyway to get as you say to actually get the right one so it can take several months even for women that want to go on HRT to actually get the right combination that alleviates their symptoms it's certainly not something that the minute you pop the pill or apply the gel or whatever it is um, that you you immediately start better it does take quite a lot of time.
0: Yeah so Joe, before we finish then Has the government agreed to make any changes that will improve women's working life during menopause?
1: Not really, (laughs) and certainly not many. So it won't launch a pilot scheme to see if giving women menopausal leave will help. It won't provide employers with a menopause policy.
0: We can do that.
1: Yeah, we can, absolutely. Um, But what it has said it will do is appoint a menopause ambassador to help develop good practice. And it points to the fact that it is planning on making the right to ask for flexible working a day one right. So
0: you're going to apply for the job, Joel?
1: Well, I was thinking about it, actually. You think I could do a bit of moonlighting.
0: You've got a perfectly good job where you are. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so those what they are going to do might help to raise some awareness. But as we've already explored, that ball is already rolling. Um, And I'm not sure that that's going to make a huge amount of difference in my view. I don't know whether you you share that.
0: Well, yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to go as far as it needs to realistically. So I think the problem with that is that it then puts the burden on employers to really take that leap themselves rather than putting some structure around it, I think. so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So before we finish, Glenn, can I ask you one thing? Are you feeling more comfortable about discussing the menopause?
0: yeah i think it, it definitely it definitely helps i feel a, a, a bit better about it uh i i won't be quite as running for the hills as i would otherwise um, be before this podcast that's good that's good so joe that's it for today then um if you want to hear more about the latest employment law updates alongside expert Commentary, tuning in a fortnight thanks for listening
1: thank you bye-bye